Jesus would I know more of his grace to others show more of his saving fullness see more of his love who died for me more more about Jesus more more about Jesus more of his saving fullness see more of his love who died for me more about Jesus let me learn more of his holy will discern Spirit of God my teacher be showing the things of Christ to me more more about Jesus more more about Jesus more of his saving fullness more of his love who died for me more about jesus on his throne riches and glory to you more of his kingdom sure increase more of his coming prince of peace more more about jesus about Jesus, more of his saving fullness, see, more of his love who died for me. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus just to trust his cleansing blood just in simple faith to plunge me beneath the healing cleansing flood jesus jesus how i trust him how i proved him more and more jesus jesus precious jesus oh for grace to trust him I'm so glad I learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that Thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Oh, wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. Oh, wonderful Savior to me. My soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. Behind is my soul in the cleft of the 
shadows a dry thirsty land he hides my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand a wonderful savior is jesus my lord he taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, the shadows of dry thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand when clothed in his brightness transported I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky his perfect salvation his wonderful love how shall the millions on high he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock the shadows of dry thirsty land he hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand I will because I love you, you have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me, you have given life to me. Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lies or was what I longed for, you have given life to me. The altars are open now, we're going to sing that one more time if you want to come and um, bring whatever need you may have before the Lord, feel free to come. And uh, I, I love the, the fact that this song talks about the fact that you got heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives, or why you died on Calvary. I was at um, this high school in uh, Gastonia yesterday on Union Road, uh, Forest View High, and I talked to this young lady, high school kid in the band, and you could just see in her eyes, she, she bought a t-shirt that I pressed for her. And I said, it may just be marching band to you, but it's group therapy to me. And I said to her, I said, that, 
at least it has some meaning to it for you, right? And she said, yes, you really just don't know. I really need to be around things that take my mind off of the problems I do in my life. I said, you got some pretty rough things going on. She goes, yeah, you don't even realize. I said, she says, I'm 16, deal with depression, anxiety. I've tried to commit suicide. You never know what people are going through, what they're dealing with. And I just had a beautiful opportunity there to, to stand there and talk with her and pray with her and share with her that God has some great things in store for her as she stays faithful to him to turn over this heartache, those broken pieces, those ruined lives that he can change and make better. And she stood there with tears in her eyes and accepted the fact that I was willing to pray with her and her friend was there crying. It's just, you just don't know. I'm there to work a band competition and sell t-shirts. But I was able to pray with this young lady who was struggling with so much. So I don't know what you've got going on in your life that we don't know about. But God does. If you know someone that's going through similar struggles and you want to come and pray, this is the time to do that. We're going to sing this one more time. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given what I long for you have given life to me heartaches broken pieces ruined lies or why you died on Calvary your touch was what I long for you have given as we do come to you, uh, you know, we think about that. You know, God, you have brought life to us. Uh, you know, you are the one that takes care of all of our struggles. Uh, you know, God, as we are here, dear Lord, and as we bring those struggles and those, just those difficult times, dear Lord, to you. Uh, you know, God, I pray that you would minister to the ones right now. God, that you would go and visit them where they are, dear Lord, and that you would allow them to feel your touch. Uh, you know, God, right now I pray, dear Lord, that you would go and be with Kelly and with Susan at home. God, as they're both recovering from surgery, God, I pray that you would touch Kelly, dear Lord, and that you would relieve some of the pain, but God, that you would take away the nausea. Uh, God, I pray that you would be with Violet right now, dear Lord. I pray, God, that you would give her comfort. Uh, dear Lord, and that she would be able to take these days and to rest in your hands. Uh, you know, God, as you heal her body, oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would be with her in a mighty way. Uh, you know, God, I pray that you would be with all the other ones that are sick right now, dear Lord. I pray that you would touch Sheila, uh, you know, God, as she's at home. Uh, you know, God, I pray that you would be able to lift her up, dear Lord, and uh, you know, just lighten her spirit today, dear Lord. I pray that you would touch her. 
Hey, oh God, I pray that you would be here with us right now, dear Lord, and that you would minister to our souls. God, is only the way that you can, dear Lord. I pray that you would encourage each one that is here, that you would fill us with your joy and with your peace. And God, that you would continue to walk with us on this journey. And God, that you would hold us firm in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Broken pieces, ruined lives, or why you died on Calvary. Your touch was what I longed for. You have given life to me. Amen. If I can have the ushers to go ahead and make their way forward today. Grady, if you could lead us in prayer. I can hear my Savior I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I. 
This, uh, this evening, we're going to continue at looking uh, you know, into Nehemiah. Um, we are in this process of constructing our hope. Because <clears throat> whenever we come to this and we think about it, uh, you know, God wants us and needs us to be a people of hope. Because the world has lost all hope. But our hope comes from Him. So Nehemiah is teaching us this, and we are constructing this through Nehemiah and the uh, Jewish people or the Israelites in reconstructing the wall. And we're looking still here in chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. But tonight there's a couple of passages that's in there that I want us to really, uh, you know, to focus on. So Last week we talked about this, and last week we talked about how difficult it is to continue or to complete a project after the second half, uh, or whenever you're about halfway through, it really begin, you know it really gets difficult. Um, uh, and I confessed, uh, you know, as far as my inability to be able to work once I've had lunch. Uh, you know, once I've had lunch, it's kind of, you know, pretty much things shut down. Uh, you know, I was that way in school. Uh, you know, once I had lunch, uh, you know, the next two classes, yeah, uh, you know, if I stayed awake, uh, you know, my basketball coach was my civics teacher, and he had me right after lunch, and he, he got it. Uh, he wouldn't allow me to have both legs on the floor at the same time. So whenever I sat in my desk, one of my feet had to be off the floor. Now, I couldn't prop it on the desk in front of me. I literally had to hold it off the floor. So whenever that leg got tired, I'd put it down and I'd pick the other one up. But it kept me awake. Now, it didn't necessarily mean that I learned civics, but I was awake. But we talked about that, how it's difficult for us. Uh, you know, whenever we think about this... Uh, you know, Satan, uh, you know, even learns, uh, you know, so 
as we are in our lives and as we become Christians and, uh, you know, we're on fire and we're gung-ho for God and we're, uh, you know, we're going and we're doing the work that he has for us to do. Satan is fighting us with the old things of our lives because that's what he knows. Uh, you know, he, is, he knows that pattern, so he keeps bringing up the old things of our lives. But we have changed from those old things, so they no longer have that, uh, you know, that hold on us. Or, or they shouldn't, uh, you know, because we're new creatures. But as we continue to go and we continue to grow, then our temptations and the things that we struggle with, they change. Satan learns that they change so then he begins to change, uh, you know, his tactics. Amen. Now, I think about this, and I look out here at the crowd of the group of people that we have tonight, and Satan has most probably changed his tactics in your life several different times. And it could be that right now Satan is looking at you and he's saying, okay, the only way that I have left now is, is that I can try my best to get them to doubt that Jesus is ever coming back because it's been so long that we've been talking about this that we begin to question on whether or not it's going to happen. Please don't look at me like I'm crazy. People for over 2,000 years have been talking about Jesus Christ's return. And there are people that have stopped believing because he hasn't came back. There are people that have fallen into that trap. There are people that continually today try to predict when he's going to come back. Do whatever you want to do until now because... Uh, you know, this particular date because he's coming back here and you got to get everything right. When was the last big one that we had? When was the last big deal that we had that the world was coming to an end? Well, you had the Y2K, uh, you know, when the 2000, because calendars, because computers didn't have the ability to go into 2000 and figure out that there was more days after 2000. But what about the Mayans' uh, calendar? Their calendar stopped. And they're like, oh man, they know what's going on. And since their calendar stops on this day, then that means that the world's going to stop on this day and Jesus is coming back. And it didn't happen. Can I predict this for you? If somebody predicts that Jesus is coming back on a specific day, just don't worry about it because he's not coming back that day. Because he says no one knows the time nor the hour, the day, the time, the hour that he's coming back. So if somebody says he's coming back on March 31st of 2019, don't believe him. But I believe that Satan has that ability to be able to change as our as our lives change. So it's not that this life gets easier. It's that the temptations become different. The temptations are always there. We hope that we get stronger. That we can resist the temptations. But sometimes we get tired, don't we? 
that's where we are here with Nehemiah and the, and the people. Let's look at verse 10. Go down to verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. So do you see this? Here we're looking at this, and we were talking about time, and we're talking about this tiredness. The people are getting tired. What's one of the things that happens to you whenever you get tired? You get grumpy. Another thing that happens to you whenever you get tired is that the problem that's in front of you always looks bigger than it really is. We cannot truly assess the situation whenever we're tired. Our life is going on. Satan in this world is constantly battling us. We're tired. We look up and we're like, God, I can't make it today. God, I don't know if I can continue doing this today. The problem always seems bigger than what it is. Because they had already built the wall to halfway. So if they were reusing the rubble that was there, it's half as big as it was whenever they began. But at this point in time, they look at it and they're like, oh my goodness, we're not going to be able to handle it. We can't assess things properly. But then we go into 11. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, or our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near their enemies or near the enemies came and told them again and again, they will come down or they will come from all directions and attack you. So Nehemiah, verse 13 so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the, in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. So let's look at this. I placed the armed guards behind the lowest parts of the of the exposed area. Where is your weakest point? Where is it? Where do you struggle? What do you struggle with the most? Nehemiah says, put your points or put your extra strength, your extra people, put them right there. 
Now, if you don't have an accountability partner, you're on your own. So does that tell you that you need to have accountability partners? I'm tired. This is my weak point. Peggy and I, uh, this afternoon, Robbie was, was playing some music and stuff, and it was about fear. And I walked out the two doors right there, and I just simply looked at Peggy. And I said, I fear failure. I fear failing God. I fear that if I do or in doing the things that he has for me, that if it doesn't succeed, that's my fear. So Nehemiah tells us that if that's the fact then you need somebody standing there praying for you that God will hold you still and hold you firm even if you do fail. Because He loves you regardless if you fail or not. Remember this morning? He loves you because He created you. He doesn't love you because you accomplish a lot of things for Him. He doesn't love you because your ministry is big. He doesn't love you because you've never failed at anything. He loves you because He created you. You need to have someone to hold you up. Nehemiah talked about it. Oh, But the other part of this... It says, I stationed the people to stand guard by, say it, families. Satan has known from the beginning of time, if he can destroy the family, then he's got us. If he can get inside the church and he can begin to manipulate things inside the family of God, he can destroy a church. He can tear apart a family. And a family that has a history like Diane was talking about, with a loving mother and father. Satan can still get into that family and destroy it. We have to put guard around our families, churches, church people. We've got to pray for the families. Those are important. Those are key things that Nehemiah is showing us here that those are things that are worth protecting. Those are things of value. And then he says that he armed them with swords, spears, and bows. It's a battle. He didn't arm them with feathers. He didn't give them sticks. He gave them bows. He gave them spears. And swords. 
Because it is a battle. And it's a battle to life and death. It is a battle because we know that Satan has came to kill and to destroy all who believe in God. It says, then I looked over the situation. I called the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, do not be afraid of your enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Don't be afraid of your enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. But then why does he go in and why does he tell us after saying those things, he says, fight for your brothers, your sisters, your daughters, your sons, your wives, your homes. God's there for us. But we still have to do something. He will give us everything that we need to fight the battle. But if we stand there with our hands in our pockets, or if we sit where we are, Satan will destroy us. So, in this second half, or third half, or fourth half of your life, wherever you want to place yourself, we have to seek the strength of God. Because we must press on. We must press on to the end. Continue to fight. Continue to walk with Christ. To continue to witness to others. To continue this battle. Because there's other people that's coming behind us. That needs us. There's other people in our families that need us to protect them. There's other people that God has placed in our lives that needs us to protect them. There's people in our lives that God has put there that He needs for us to teach. We need to teach them how to hold the sword. We need to teach them about the shield of faith. We need to teach them about what God can do, how great and mighty and powerful He is. But the thing about this is, 
is that Nehemiah did none of this on his own. It was always a corporate event. It was always, always corporate. This life that he has given to us to live was never meant for us to live it alone. meant to be lived with others it's meant to be lived for others we find that because back in verse 9 Nehemiah says that we prayed to our God we prayed our God it's corporate And whenever there's a bunch of people doing work, you get a whole lot more done than you do by yourself, right? You get a whole lot more done. But the thing that I really like about it is, is that there's other people that know how to do things that you don't know how to do. I'm not an electrician. But booger is. I can ride a lawnmower. I can. I can. I can even use a weed eater. Ask booger. I used it once. But there's things that other people can do that I can't do. There's things that people can do that you can't do. It's got to be corporate. We've got to do this together. It's not that we can't grow the church unless we're together, which I don't think that we can. I'm pretty sure that we can't. We have to be working together. We have to be working with God to grow the church. But there's things in your life that you can't do that you need someone else to do. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about your other family members. There are things that there's things that I struggle with that Peggy doesn't. That Peggy helps me with. Dare I say this? My son, Andrew, does things and has the ability to do things that I can't do. I learn from him. I need his help in this. Gene, I need your help in this too. We all have. We all need someone else. It's corporate. Amen. Amen. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for tonight. Uh, you know, God, as we, as we see this, and God, as we continue to construct this life of hope, uh, you know, God, I pray, dear Lord, that tonight, uh, you know, God, if there's anyone that's tired, God, that you would give them someone to help strengthen them. Or God, that you would give them strength tonight. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us to stand in the gaps of the families that's in this church. And God, that we would provide support for them. God, I pray, God, that we would provide support for the widows of the church. God, that we would come in behind and that we would hold them up in prayer. Because, God, this life that you give to us, it's not just about me or about us, just individuals. God, this is a corporate life that you have led us to. God, I pray that you'll be with us, that you'll continue to guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for dismissal. Remember, choir members, uh, you have choir tonight. Uh, Going to run over, um, I think, a couple of songs uh, for the Christmas. Uh, so be uh, ready for that. Uh, and uh, you know, so you know, that's tonight. We have uh, the women have uh, women of worth. Their meeting tomorrow at Mary's at six thirty. You can arrive at six o'clock if you would like to have fellowship before you eat, or however it works. But uh, you know. That's tomorrow, uh, you know, there as well. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, so much for this evening. Uh, you know, God, I pray that your face would shine upon us, and God, that you would bless each one that is here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.